0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Southside Online today. I'm thankful that you would join us and hang out with us as we continue week three of our series called Foundations. What is a foundation? The definition of foundation is this. It is the base on which something stands. It's an underlying basis or principle for living life. Jesus said in Matthew 7, he talked about the power of a secure and sure and sturdy foundation. He said there was a wise man who built his house and he built it on a rock. And the, 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 the rock represented a firm, steady, and secure foundation against the storms that would come and beat upon the house. And because the house was built on a firm foundation, it stayed standing. But then he contrasted that wise man... To the foolish man who built his house not on a rock, not on a secure foundation, but on sand, an, an unstable foundation. And it says this, he gets more specific. He says, when the storms of life came and beat upon the house, the house fell and great was the fall of it. David wrote in Psalm 11, verse number three, he said, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, I'll tell you this, if it's a house, it can't stand it. Because a house must have a steady, stable, and firm foundation. And if a house must have that, if a country must have that, so must individual lives. So must we as a church have foundation, foundational principles upon which we can build our life, our assembly, our community, those kind of things so that we can stay standing in the difficult seasons of life. There are some underlying principles that I believe are critical to us as a church. And uh, we've kind of walked through some of those. God is worthy of our best. The gospel is our foundation. And today, people are our business. I love these statements because I believe these statements can help us in our, not just in our personal walk with the Lord, but also in our, in our belief and our setup and our establishment as a church and we need to understand and know Colossians 3 tells us that God is worthy of our best. Let everything you do in word or deed be done to the glory of God and for the honor of his name. The gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is our true foundation that Jesus Christ came, lived, sinless, died, complete forgiveness, and covered our sin, and three days later rose again. The gospel, Paul wrote and said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because I know it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. And today, people are our business. This one I love. I'm a people guy. I love being around people and You know, I think back to the establishment kind of of this right here, this online viewership where uh, COVID put us in a whole different world. And so I I enjoy being able to communicate here in this setting because it allows people in other places in our community and other places of the world. Uh, There was a lady that reached out the other day from North Carolina that enjoys watching and just connecting with us. And you know, that's what this avenue has done. But, but it, I, I, it just is never going to take the place of personal face-to-face interaction. And I think that was what was so frightening and so difficult about COVID. It isolated people. In a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ, if the enemy wants to defeat you, I believe he's gonna isolate you. I believe if he can isolate us and set us away from, or get us away from people, get us away from a relationship with the Lord, his isolation of us is the ultimate thing that defeats us. And so that. That should really be no surprise to people that know the Bible, that read the Bible, that hear the teachings of Jesus. Where Jesus was asked one time to summarize the two greatest commandments or or which commandment was the greatest. And Jesus said, I'll sum them up with two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. What does that tell me? That tells me that people are our business. We are in the people business and so when we understand that, when we see that, when we know that, I mean, that is the great commission that Jesus gave us. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. To who? To people. To people. Baptize who? People. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them. Who? People. To obey everything that I have commanded you, and I will be with you. Who? People. always, even into the end of the age. And so Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, I love this verse. He said, we loved you so much. We loved you, who? People, so much that we gave you, who? People. Not only God's good news, but our own lives as well, because you, people, have become so dear to us. What a great statement found in the Bible. We love you. We love you because God loves us, and that love is, tr- is, is, is to come out of us and to, 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 to represent the Lord in such a way that it draws people. He said, we love you so much, we didn't just give you the Bible, God's good news, we gave you our life because you have become so dear to us. I believe that there are two different types of people, all right? I believe, I believe that in, in life there's two different types of people. Here I am, people, and there you are. Here I am, people. That when they walk in the room, they command attention. They are like, "Here I am." The light is on me. Red carpet, celebrity status. Boom! There it is. Here I am, people. And then there you are, people. Where, where you walk in, and, and, and there are more others focused and see. Here's a better way to see it. If there's one piece of pizza left at the table. A here-I-am person is going to grab it before anybody else can and shove it in their mouth, okay? A there-you-are kind of person is going to say, I may want that piece of pizza, but I'm going to offer it to anybody else before I take it. And and so we all fit into one of those two categories. Today, I just want you to know I see you. I see you. I'm kind of romper-rooming this thing. Even though I can't see you, I know you're there. I know you're watching. And I want you to know I see you. I see you, I, and I want, I, want, I want you to know that God sees you, and you are important, and you matter. Every person matters. Why? Because every person is a unique creation of God. And I know this about people, that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so today, I just want to ask you a question. What are you looking for? What is it that you're looking for? Everybody's looking for something. I think about the movie Pretty Woman back in the either uh, probably early 90s. There's a guy walking, walking out onto the streets and he says at the end of the movie, welcome to Hollywood. What's your dream? Because everybody's got a dream. Everybody is looking for something. Everyone at that time they said came to the, to the golden city to look for something, okay? But I believe that just represents every person on the planet. Everyone is looking for something. The song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What are you looking for today? Because in the church world, at the Southside world, people are our business. People matter to God, and therefore every person matters to us. And how do we communicate the message of the gospel in a way that, that, that draws people to the message of Jesus. I think we've got to live by the statement, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We loved you so much that we didn't just give you God's good news, we gave you our own lives as well because you had become so dear to us. Today, Philippians chapter 2, several things. To find what it is you're looking for. Number one today, it's about finding your focus. Focus finding your focus if i'm going if i'm if i'm in a search in life for something significant something meaningful something that that really transcends money and and stuff and things and possessions and those something deeper because, because if that were the case, if money, possessions, and fame, and, and, and those types of things were the end-all, be-all to everything, then the relationships in Hollywood would be the strongest, the most happy, the, the, the most fulfilling that there are in life. But many times, they're, they're the biggest train wreck. Because it, I think it proves that money and, and, and things and possessions, it doesn't, it doesn't translate to significance and success, meaning, purpose value. And so where do we find it? I think you find it when you find your focus. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, he says in verse number 1, if then... If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if there is any affection and mercy, Paul said, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, and focusing on the same goal. Paul is writing to a group of people. He's writing to a church that he helped establish and start. Paul would go into a region, he would begin to share Christ with people, he would go to the Jews first, most of the time they would reject Christ, so then he would go to the Gentiles, he would find people that would accept Christ, trust the Lord, accept the Holy Spirit, be baptized, and establish a a, a meeting of people, And, and then he would leave, he would train them up, he would teach them, he would give them responsibilities and duties as the local church, and then he would go do it again. And then he would write letters back to these people to to really bring them together to help unify them around a common mission, a common goal, and and would help build and strengthen their faith to go out into the world and share it again. Ironically, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian people from a prison cell. He's the one imprisoned, but yet he has joy. He's the one imprisoned, Yet he writes as though he's free. He's the one in prison and he's writing to people to help give them purpose and meaning to their life. And so Paul is trying to align them around a focus. And he says that to them. He said, look, if there's any encouragement, are you encouraged at all in Christ? Is there any consolation of love that we can build something around? Is there any fellowship with the spirit? If there's any affection and mercy at all, He said, yes, we all have disagreements. Yes, we all have different things, but we're going to wrap it all right here. We're trying to find connection. He said, if that's the case, then fulfill my joy. You want to know a word that Philippians is about? Joy. You can define it that way, J-O-Y. Jesus, others, and yourself. We flip that around, and we live by yourself, others, and then Jesus. And so we don't want to have yods; We want to have joy. Jesus, others, and yourself. And so Paul said, fulfill my joy. By thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on the same goal. The secret, Paul said, to living a joyful life in spite of circumstances is having a single focus. Having a single focus allows us to be able to to pursue the commands and the teachings of Jesus. Here's what I know about a divided focus. A divided focus leads to a divided life, and a divided life is a dangerous life. And so Paul, speaking to the church, said we need to to unite around a common focus. When you're searching for meaning, significance, and purpose in life, we're talking about here in this setup, the, the people being our business. People are the the main thing we keep the main thing the main thing, and so if people are our business, then we want to help find common ground, and we want to find the thing that people that can bring people the greatest satisfaction, joy, peace in their life, and that thing is a person, and that person is Jesus. And so when we when we unite with a common focus, it helps move us forward. in a a more powerful united front. Speaking individually, Jesus is, Paul writing here about the life of Christ, he said, what are you looking for? Because it all begins with the right focus. Find your focus. Then he says, look out for others. If I'm going to find my focus and, and my focus is centered around the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what that's, that's what Jesus came to do. That's the life he came to live. That's the message he came to communicate is, hey, here I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father unless they go through me. God loved the world so much that he gave you his only son that if you would believe in him, you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. The focus of our life and to find the right focus, the right meaning, the right purpose is to put our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who will love us, never leave us, never fail us, and will always be there for us. And so that focus, when the Lord invades my life, it gives me less of an inward focus, and it turns my focus outward. And so Paul said, we've got to look out for others. Look what he says, verse number three. He says, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility... Consider others as more important than yourselves. This is a difficult way to live life. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. We get that in the South, all right? College football brings that out. High school football brings that out. Sports brings this concept out more than anything. I mean, I like Georgia football, I mean, I could probably even go as far to say I love the University of Georgia, okay? I won't say that I hate Tennessee or Florida. I will just say I hate Orange. How about that? Is that good? Can I just say, is that okay if I dislike Orange strongly? You know, I think I'm joking, but you know, I think about those kind of things that bring out the rivalry in all of us. But church does that too. Life does that. Family does that. Neighbors do that. People do that to us. Paul is writing here and says, the, "If we're going to fulfill the great commission that the Lord Jesus Christ gave for us, gave to us, if we're going to obey the two greatest commandments, to love God with everything we have and love others as ourselves, well, I got to get my focus right. My focus is to be on the Lord Jesus Christ." It does not mean no good to tell you you can put your focus on anything. Because it's just not true. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you and gave himself for you. And he wants you to focus your life on him. And when we do that, he changes our inward focus to an outward focus. Begin to look for others. To look out for others. Paul said, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. When I'm living that way, it's an inward focus. When I'm living opposite to this, it's an outward focus. He said, but in humility, consider others as more important, more needy, more whatever it is, more important than yourselves. Verse 4, everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for For the interest of others. If I'm to look out for others, the secret to living a joyful life in spite of people is having a mind that is humble and submissive. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of yourself less. Okay, the truly humble person knows who he is and accepts where he is, but he's not not content there. Humility is submitting yourself to Christ and saying to the Lord, less of me, more of you. John the Baptist who said when Jesus was coming onto the scene and his disciples were more interested, they were worried about him taking more followers, and John said, I've got to decrease so that the Lord may increase. I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. It's living with the mindset that others are more important than me. It's an I see you, there you are life, rather than look at me and here I am. And so the prayer that I have to pray is, Lord, change me. Lord, change. Change me. It's, it's understanding that you are not a doormat. Someone that is just run over and taken advantage of. No. Being a servant is different than being a doormat. A servant says, I see you. I'm going to be confident in who I am. I know who I am and what I've been called and created to do. And I'm going to serve you. I'm going to lead as a servant with a bended knee and an outstretched hand, not so that you can give to me, but that I can offer something of benefit to you. I believe when the church figures that out, the church will be full of people because it's exactly what people are looking for. See a faith that costs you nothing accomplishes nothing. Faith that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. If faith cost Jesus nothing, it would accomplish nothing. That's just not the case. It cost him everything. And in reality, when we say yes to Jesus, it's going to cost us something. It costs something to make a public profession of faith. It costs something to live your life according to the teachings and truths and the principles and love and the grace of the Lord Jesus. It costs you something to be an impact difference maker in the local church. It's going to cost you something to give your time, your talent, your treasure. It's going to cost you something to get up in the morning and ask God to change Change you and then allow him to do that throughout the day. It's going to cost us something to go through the highs and the lows of life. It's going to cost us something, but faith that accomplishes something is going to cost me something. And so here, I want to get my focus right, and I want to look out for others. Why? Because people are our business. Number three, I want to ask myself the question, what would Jesus do? Jesus, what would you do in this situation? Verse number 5, Philippians 2, Paul said, Make your own attitude like that of Christ Jesus. If my attitude determines my altitude, then I want to make my attitude, like Paul said, of Christ Jesus. So if I want to have the right attitude, then I've got to see what kind of attitude the Lord Jesus Christ lived with. And I've got to have that attitude if I want to do it. This is his attitude. Who, existing in the form of God, he is a part of the Godhead Trinity. He always has been, always will, and always will be. He is the God of all creation. Existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. He didn't do that. What did he do? He had the attitude of a servant. And so if I'm gonna live with the same kind of mindset, the same kind of focus, if I'm gonna look out for others, then I've gotta ask myself the question through the good and bad times, what would Jesus do? We had the bands on our arm years ago, WWJD. What would Jesus do? And and that's, that's, that's too many times I think we worry about what would Joe Biden do? What would Donald Trump do? What would this guy do? What would that person do? What would Jeff Williams do? No, what would Jesus do? Because he's the one we focus on. He's the one we put our attention on. This is the theme of the entire chapter, others. The theme of our life. Others, the theme of our church, others in every facet of life. If we pray, Lord, change me, then the next prayer is, Lord, what would you have me to do today? God, what would you have me to do today? At this place, at this time, at this moment, how can I live for you today? Who am I going to see that I can show your love and grace to? God, who am I going to run into that even though it's difficult, I can smile, I can offer grace? God, who am I going to run into that needs a hand up today, that I can help, I can bless, I can do for them what you have done for me? See, Jesus did not say, attend me. He said, follow me. I think the church has missed that today. I think the church has become so inward focused, we're no worldly good. We're more like a cruise ship than we are an aircraft carrier. We come to get fat on knowledge, on help me information, that we forget that the greatest way to build faith and strength in our life many times is to reach out to others and help them. Jesus never said, attend me. He said, follow me. He said, you got you to pick up your cross Deny yourself and come and follow me. What am I looking for? Well, if I'm gonna find what I'm looking for, I've got to have the right focus. And I've got to look out for the needs of others. I gotta ask when I find those, Jesus, what would you do? Then I've got to be willing to give willingly and generously. I wanna be a giver. Too many people today in the world are takers. So much of the world's message is to take what is yours, get what belongs to you, get it by any means necessary. The gospel is a completely different message. Jesus came and gave of his life, he gave willingly and generously. And we see that in Philippians 2. Instead, of making himself equal, equality with God is something to hold on to, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, a servant. He took on the likeness of mankind and when he had come as a man in his extended form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. Jesus gave willingly and generously above and beyond what anyone would expect or anticipate. Look what Jesus did He emptied Himself, He willingly offered Himself, gave of Himself, took on the form of a servant. And went to the cross. And he did it for you. So that you could have life, meaning, purpose, peace, joy in his name. Joy is found with Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Jesus, what would you do? I'll tell you what he would do. He would give willingly and generously. The prayer, Lord, change me. Lord, what would you have for me to do today? Lord, what can I give today? What can I give today? Giving is more than a Sunday morning principle. Giving is a daily principle for living life. What can I give today? I can give joy. I can give generosity. I can give a smile, I can give kindness, I can give love, I can give so many things, but so many times we give impatience, anger, wrath, malice. Somebody cuts us off in traffic, we shoot them a turkey. You know, we do those kind of things, we get angry. And that anger comes out. That's what we're giving because that's what we're letting burn and stew within us. See, I believe and live by this principle. The more we give, the more we live. The more we hoard, the less we live. The more we keep for ourselves, the less we experience the joy of salvation. What are you looking for? I believe you've got to, once you find the right focus, Jesus shifts that inward focus to outward. You begin to live by the principle every day of Jesus. What would you do? I promise you, he would do this. He would give willingly and generously. And the more you do that, the more you experience that, the more you find ways, look for ways, see ways to help others and bless them because you understand the principle is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And finally, I live a life that glorifies God. I live a life that glorifies God that honors God in everything that I say and do. For this reason, God highly exalted Jesus and gave Jesus the name that is above every name. Why does he get the first name? Because of what he did, because of who he is, because of all of these things that he is now putting into us and teaching us. It said this, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and those who are on earth or under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to what? To the glory of God the Father. See, the prayer today here is, Lord, teach me to honor you and bring you glory with my life. Lord, change me. Lord, what would you have me to do today? God, where can I give today that would honor you? And finally, God, teach me, show me, lead me to honor you and bring you glory with my life. Father, if I mess it up today, give me the grace, extend compassion to me so that I can try to get it right tomorrow. If we're going to live this kind of life, then we've got to learn to look to the one who created us in order to guide us. See, you are not the starting point of your life. The greatest victory you will ever win is the victory that you have over yourself. The starting point of life is not you, it's not me, it's him. When I get that right and I place my focus there, he shifts me from an inward focus to an outward focus. And I begin to live life asking the question, Jesus, what would you do? How can I give willingly and generously and ultimately glorify God with my life? Today, today, let Jesus change the course of your life. Start today right now. Acknowledge Him as your Savior. Accept and receive His forgiveness for your sin. and Make a commitment to live this day and the next day and every day in a way that honors the Lord and blesses people. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, the greatest thing I could say to you today is trust Christ. Give your life to Jesus. Say yes to Him. Let Him be the foundation of your life. If you want to do that, pray with me right now. Say, Father God, I, I need you. And I, I, I'm, I believe that you sent your son, your one and only son, to be my Savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, forgive me for my sin by your grace. Make me right with you. Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm ready. I'm ready to make a change. I'm ready to make a fresh start. I'm ready for a new life with you. And I'm ready today. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that with me today, let us know in the comment section. Come and see us on a Sunday at our Redstone or Commerce campus. Let us know. You said yes. And let us help you take the next step to build the foundation for an absolutely incredible life. God bless you. Have a great day. I hope to see you again soon.